podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? Sensational. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm currently uh, debunking some of the nonsense around uh, this transfer window so far. I'm doing my best to try and keep people level-headed. And Carl Matchett, it's a fucking bad time when I am the one trying to keep keep people level-headed. Yeah, I'm not sure what, what's going on there. Obviously, somewhere along the world, the, the world has missed a, missed a flip, basically. It's knocked off its axis, and you're charged with doing sensible things. So hopefully, we can get back to normality soon. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice, because I'm not really enjoying this new role that I've been cast into. Uh, I would much prefer to be completely irrational, uh, because it's more in keeping with with how I like to operate. But um, I, I do just find much of it to be very, very silly. I, I think people are getting awfully upset about things that aren't real, aren't happening. You know, Liverpool have already signed a player. They are working on other deals. If rumours are to be... To be believed, there is another deal in place that will be completed after these these Euros, the under-21 Euros. Nobody else has really done jack shit. I mean, Chelsea brought in Nkunku, but that deal was done before Christmas. Brighton have obviously signed uh, João Pedro. But again, that one was done a while ago. They've signed Milner and Mo de Hood. Like, thus far, I'm putting us top of the transfer list for this summer with Alexis McAllister in the door. City will get Kovacic done. They might get Declan Rice, but at 100 million, it's a massive overpay. Arsenal have low-balled their way into potentially losing out on Declan Rice. They might get Kai Havertz done at what's going to be a, a bit of an overpay. And now they're low-balling Ajax on Durian Timber. So like, I'm not sure what people want us to be doing. Like, United haven't signed anybody. Spurs have signed a goalkeeper that nobody'd heard of until a week ago. I don't know what I'm meant to be upset about right now. No, unfortunately, I think this is uh, the very, very early weeks of what we spoke about just after we agreed the McAllister deal. It was so early that people are going to be annoyed that we didn't do anything in the three weeks later. But if we waited three weeks to sign him, well, they might be a bit happier now that we've started to do some work, but there would be more chance that someone else would come in and get it done. There would be more chance that you know someone or something or some element went awry while he went off to international duty and then a holiday and all the rest of it. And then we wouldn't be working on the deals that we are working on now. So silliness, I think, is the word to sum it up. Impatience is another one and predictability is a third. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's very fair. Like, I'm even seeing irrational things. Like, I'm currently looking at a tweet that says, last season there were clear holes in the squad. So far this summer, Alexis McAllister has been brought in. And we've lost James Milner, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Nabi Keita, Bobby Firmino, Fabio Carvalho and Calvin Ramsey. Now, that is a true statement. On the face of it, that is absolutely true. That represents what has happened uh, in this window. However, I would point out, Calvin Ramsey played zero minutes in the Premier League for us uh, in this past season. Bobby Firmino played just over 1,200. James Milner played less than 900. Ox, Naby and Carvalho all played between 290 minutes and 340 minutes. Whereas Alexis McAllister for Brighton played 2,886 minutes. So if my maths is correct, and I think it is, uh, Alexis played nearly as many minutes by himself as those six lads did put together. So, like, what are we actually losing here? A fullback who didn't play, an old midfielder who shouldn't have been playing, Bobby, two midfielders that were always injured and lost Klopp's trust at at different stages, and a young forward player who barely played after October. So I, I don't really understand why you would be upset by these things. Alexis is in. More players will arrive. Like, more players will arrive. That is a thing that is happening. And just because certain journalists are doing, at the request of the club, the standard, well, Liverpool don't want to get into bidding wars. Liverpool have to be careful with the budget. Just because they're doing that doesn't mean it's the reality of what's happening. No, I mean, look, at the minute, even if you just kind of break it down into each area of the pitch, fullback, backups, young players, they don't really come into any equation. So defence is kind of unchanged at this point. McAllister replaces the midfielders who have left and we've lost Firmino. Look at it that way if you really, really must. Things will happen to change that. It's it's early weeks. It doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't matter at all. Right. We're going to quickly get into the purpose of today's podcast. So we'll go through each of the 20 teams in this season's Premier League. So from Arsenal through to Wolves, with the inclusions of Burnley, Luton Town and Sheffield United. We'll do one player each who should leave those clubs for the good of their career and one player who will have a breakout year. Now that could be, you know, one of the newly promoted teams. They could just be their best player having a really good year at the Premier League level that they might not have had before. It could be, say, a Harvey Elliott or something taking off at Liverpool and getting 10 goals, 10 assists. Whatever you want, whatever your own definition of breakout star is, you can go with. But we'll go A through W, so we'll start with Arsenal. Which Arsenal player needs to leave the club this summer for the good of their career? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, 
over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Um, I would say it should be Reese Nelson, probably. Um, I think you need to play is, is the message that would be going to him, basically. And I know it's still certainly potential that he could do, but you know the contract offers are there. They're still talking ongoing. Um, I, I would imagine that he would be top of my list for that. I think that's a fair pick. I, I do think he should be looking to move on and, and have a career because, I mean, Carl, he, he to me was a better player when he was at Hoffenheim on loan, which is 1920 season, than he is now. I think he's regressed in that time. It does look like they're going to try and overpay him on a contract extension, which is what they did with Eddie and Ketia last year where they're paying him, you know, a hundred grand a week, which I think Arsenal are going to find themselves in some serious trouble in the coming years with their wage bill, because they're setting themselves up to be an every year Champions League budget without being an every year Champions League team. And by budget, I'm sorry, I, I should have said cost, but I don't think they're setting up an every year Champions League team. Yeah, I can see that being the case. And I mean, look, they've probably got themselves down to a quite a reasonable wage budget compared to where they were because you think of the massive contracts that they did have with Ozil, with Aubameyang, or a couple of other players around that time. And it took them a little while to get through the churn of that kind of era team that they didn't really want anymore. Willian was another one. Um, and I think that probably the first batch of players that they've either brought through or brought in, people like Martinelli, as uh, Smith Rowe, probably. They're not on as big a contract as they could be or will be in a couple of years. So there's probably scope to do it at the minute. But if they do keep doing it with everybody, and especially with the players who are only going to be fringe or not even that, really, in the case of Reese Nelson, then, yeah, you're right. They they will run into trouble on that score. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've given Bikayo Saka this massive new contract as well, um, which given his age and it's only a four-year deal, he's going to be up for a new deal again in two years' time. And at that point, you know, he's going to want more money. So you're looking at 400 grand for him, then maybe 500 grand a couple of years later. And other players are going to look at that deal and say, well, now that's the benchmark. So when Mark Nodegaard goes in to talk about his new contract as club captain, as their best player in the past year, and a more experienced player than Bakayo Saka, you can imagine he might ask for more. Um, William Saliba altered what he was asking for during his ne- contract negotiations um, in order to reflect what they'd done with Saka. So 
you know, it, it does just lead down the line. And like other things like Declan Rice, for example, if he was agreeing to come in on 200 grand a week and he sees Saka getting 300 grand a week, he's going to turn around and ask for more as well. So I think it can just set a bad precedent. My player who I think needs to leave Arsenal is Emil Smith-Rowe. Because I don't see enough minutes there for him. I think he's a player that needs to be starting regularly in the Premier League. I think he's an elite level talent. I think he's more than good enough to play for the majority of the league. And I think he's going to be wasted at Arsenal because, yes, he might be a backup on the left wing and a backup in one of the eight roles. That's not going to be enough for him in the Premier League. He needs to be starting week in, week out for his own development. And because he just warrants that type of game time with his talent. So I think he needs to be the one to go. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's still someone who, talent-wise, could be in the Euro squad, for example, next summer. But where he is at the minute, he's probably about ninth in line for that kind of wing role, attacking role, that kind of thing. So a big move or whether it's an injury at Arsenal or something like that, if he gets himself regularly playing again, there's every chance that he becomes, you know, a Champions League caliber starter, an England squad player at the very least, that kind of thing. But where he is right now is like, well, I don't, I'm not even sure he actually made a Premier League start last season, to be perfectly honest. So not uh, not anywhere close at the minute. A move to Aston Villa, was it a year ago they were mm. asking? They were looking at 30, 40 million. I don't think they'd be getting that at the minute. No, I don't either. And when you look at the talent coming through in those sort of attacking midfield roles with your Morgan Gibbs-Whites and your Jacob Ramseys, our own two, obviously, and other players, Noni Medekian players at that, like there's an awful lot of competition. I think he's the most talented of all of them, but he has to be on the pitch to prove it. Which Arsenal player do you think will have a breakout season this year? Again, that can be whatever your own definition of breakout is. Yeah, I mean, I actually was tempted to go for the same play you've just mentioned, to be honest, Smith Rowe. It might be a, a re-breakout season for him because he's obviously proven his worth beforehand, but he was so, so poor and so off it last year that he kind of needs that again. Um, so he's going to turn 23 this summer, I think it is. I think it's before the season starts anyway. Uh, so... He needs it to happen this year if he is staying at Arsenal, so I'll go for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I definitely think that's fair. I think he certainly got the talent to do it. And again, we're not talking about him all of a sudden launching himself into football or the year kind of conversations, but certainly developing more and getting a um, a lot more minutes and showing what he can do. I'm going to go with the young Polish centre-back they snatched in January, Jakob Kiwar, they brought him in from Spezia. I could see him taking that spot from Gabriel at some point this year and making it his own. I think he's very promising. He still needs to get a little bit stronger and a little bit tougher, but he slotted in left-back and he looked very comfortable. He played a little bit of centre-back. He played on the right side of the centre-back pairing, And he looked really comfortable. I know that the Polish national team have massive high hopes for him. I'm going to go for him. I think he could end the season as Arsenal starting left side centre-back and him and Saliba could be their pairing moving forward. Yeah, nice pick. I think he he looked pretty solid last year. He's 
a bit to learn in terms of positional work and mm. his mobility is maybe not quite as good as as the other pair but it probably brings a little bit more aggression and maybe they'll get consistency out of him as well that's the most important thing at the back yeah because Gabriel can be quite up and down right moving on then Aston Villa one player you think needs to leave um, I'm going to go with Phil Coutinho uh, basically I think this is sort of point of whether he becomes a footballer again or not um, there are there are options there for him, but there are loads of players at Villa basically, and lots and lots of them play in the sort of areas of the pitch he wants to. He's better than all of them, but he's not better than any of them because he's not doing it and he's not playing and he's not confident. He doesn't look happy and he doesn't look he doesn't look anywhere near settled enough to play regular football, let alone regular football well. So clearly, the environment is not what he thought he was walking into. He doesn't have his his uh, his cheerleader there now in terms of the manager. Uh, it's a bit of a different setup now, I think, to what he thought he was walking into. So wherever that is, his next move has got to work because it's like three really that haven't, if you include the buy-in loan, he needs something to happen because he's just too good for this to have been the end of his career, really. Yeah, I fully agree. It wouldn't surprise me if he's in Saudi Arabia by the end of the summer. I think he's one of the players that will be on their shortlist. He was my pick as well, but with him gone, I'll just go Bertrand Traore. Carl, there's a world in which a team decides, foolishly, I might add, to just build around Bertie T and it just, you know, rise and fall with the madness of Bertrand Traore, who has outrageous close control of the ball, but absolutely no idea what he's doing with the ball and could fall over at any time. So I'll go with Bertrand Traore a fine example of what can be done and what can't be done on the world of football. Yes, and a fine example of not knowing what you can and can't do in the world of football. Um, who's your breakout star for Villa? John Duran. Yeah, uh, I really like well. him. Yeah, he's, he's, I don't think we need to pick two here. He is a clear one for Villa. He's, he's got such good movement. His first touch is really good. I think his, uh, his, his self-confidence just looks increasingly good. I and mean, he's not had a huge amount of game time so far, but I think he's one that they really do look to develop and probably bring something extra that they haven't had up from for a while. Yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on. And he would have been my pick as well. So there's no point in doing two. He's the clear number one option there. You could say Cameron Archer, but he probably goes on loan. So, you know, um, we'll move on then. AFC Bournemouth. Who do you think needs to get up and get out? <laughs> this is a bit of a, a tricky one, I think, because you're probably looking now at Bournemouth being a club if you're thinking that they are going to take steps forward given the summer expenditure and the um, appointment of uh, Andoni Iraola that we covered in the last podcast as well. So I'm looking here at someone who has maybe slightly been left behind by that development. And... I think Kiefer Moore, to be honest. I mean, he's not not a, a top-level player. I don't think he's going to mm. necessarily be looking for another Premier League team. But if you take the wider context of what Kiefer Moore's career is, he's been pretty good and pretty reliable as a second-tier forward. He's got a regular place with Wales and they trust yeah. him. If you want to keep hold of that, you know, on the national team scene, which is going to give you opportunities at least to go to a major tournament again or something like that, I think you need to be playing pretty regularly and doing your thing and getting your goals. That's probably not going to happen now there. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, I, and he's only 30 as well. So like he's still got years ahead of him. 
So I think he is one that would benefit massively from a drop back down into the championship. Uh, mine is going to be Mark Travers. Now, even if it's just a loan, I think he needs to get out and play. 24 years of age, began last season as first choice, was first choice in their championship season when they were promoted. Last season, it started badly for the whole club and he kind of took the brunt of it and Neto took over. And Neto played very well and deserved to stay in the team. But at 24, in a battle with Cuevine Kelleher to become Ireland's number two behind Gavin Bissounou, I think Mark Travers needs to go and play for all the same reasons that Kelleher needs to go and play, even though he's got a lot more experience than Kelleher. You know, I know it's in the championship, but still, he's played 70 uh, senior games for Bournemouth, eight on loan with Swindon, so 78 as opposed to 20 or 21 for Kelleher. I think he needs to go and play somewhere. Uh, So alone, I think, would benefit him hugely. Yeah, that's fine. I think uh, second-choice goalkeeper is always a difficult thing to be in, but if you are or you have a hopes of being a number one, then probably the age that those two you mentioned in particular are now, when you get to 23, 24, 25, you need to be showing that you can play on a regular basis if anyone's going to rely on you. Otherwise, you end up in a Danny Ward kind of situation where you're not first-choice, you're not really going to get another chance because you know you're you're sort of progressing towards older goalkeeper there and you're going to end up like Steve Harper you know a whole yeah. career as a as top a level second choice keeper and not really playing too many games and Danny Ward should be sort of a um a warning to a lot of goalkeepers like there was a time where obviously he wasn't good enough to be first choice for us but he he was probably good enough to be a first choice premier league goalkeeper but by the time he got an opportunity to be a first-choice Premier League goalkeeper, he was no longer good enough, and he missed his window. And unfortunately, Danny Ward was dreadful last season, and I don't see him starting next year as first-choice for Leicester either. And he might just be consigned to a Steve Harper situation. I think we're going to have the same breakout player for AFC Bournemouth, but... You give me yours. I'll give you the name and you can tell everybody why it's Ilya Zabarni. It is Ilya Zabarni. It is absolutely Ilya Zabarni. This guy is one of the best young central defenders in Europe. Six six foot two, commanding, aggressive, only 20 years of age, has good experience from Dinamo Kiev, is a regular for his national team. He's good on the ball. He reads the game well. He's a talker. I think this guy is the type of defender top clubs are going to be looking at in two years and trying to get out of there. I think I know they paid a lot of money to get him in. I think twenty four million. I think in two years they double their money on him. I think he's going to be absolutely outstanding. Fine words. Let's move on then. Brentford. Who needs to go? Um. It's not really a, a club who you would generally say to people, you should be yeah. leaving here. Yeah. Um, and they do do quite well, I think, or, or Thomas Frank does quite well with keeping people involved when they're on the, the fringes of the first team. But one who hasn't really had a chance that I think is still a decent player and should be a first choice somewhere is Thomas Trakosha. I thought he was going to be brought in to you know, really challenge David Raya, but they've already brought in Mark Flecken now in anticipation of 
offloading David Raya. So I don't really see what Stokosha is there for at all mm. now. So go, go and play. You're, you're a top flight goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah, he was mine as well. I, I don't I don't really understand what's going on there because it's not like he was just hanging out and there was no competition. They paid him a pretty big contract for three years, beating Fulham, who was the favourite to get him. And I assume the same. I assumed he'll come in, he'll be competition for Raya. Raya had two years left on his deal and there was already rumblings that he wasn't interested in a new deal and wanted to go at the end of this past season that's just finished. So my assumption was Strakosha gets a year to settle and then he becomes number one. Now they've brought in Mark Flecken. Now, I would I would say Strakosha is a better goalkeeper than Mark Flecken, but I think it's very close. So maybe it's going to be an open competition and maybe Strakosha will have an opportunity to establish himself as number one there, but they have paid p- pretty big money for, for Flecken. 11 million is big money for Brentford. So yeah, Strakosha would be the one. Breakout star. Promising young defender, Zanka. I thought he retired like four years ago and then he just (laughs) popped up at Bradford and keeps playing. Uh, I think we could see more and better from Aaron Hickey this year. Um, I think he had a decent year this year. I think after an initial settling period and there was lots of changes between back three and back four, which side he played and all the rest of it. But I think that there's scope there for him to be significantly better actually so I, I will go for him I, I know again it's not going to be a breakout like a brand new player or anything like that but mm. 21 years of age a very progressive side real room for growth within the the, the the actual team itself I think he can get quite a bit better I agree I think any of their big money signings from last summer him Lewis Potter or Damsgaard could be the one here but I'm going to go with their January signing, Kevin Shade, who, with Tony suspended, might be the choice to play through the middle. 6-1, great pace, really good control, good touch, beats players for fun. Didn't score in his 18 games there last season, but I think he could be the one. I think he could have a big impact next season. I think he needs to. I think there's a couple of players who came in January who things did not work for, not just at Brentford, but you know people like Jorginho Rutter and that kind of thing. Mm. It's very, very quick to disappear off the scene if you're a you know a promising young forward and you have particular traits and it doesn't happen for you when you make the move, especially over to England. You can get kind of swallowed up in the big squads and that. So I kind of feel like he needs to take this opportunity with Tony not there. I mean, like I don't think Damsgaard is going to, to be honest. I, I look at him and he's so lightweight, he's very, very weak in possession, he makes mistakes, that kind of thing, and I know confidence is at play there. Shada's got more chance. I, I would like to see Shada do well, but we'll see. I think he needs to do it quickly if he's going to. Moving on to Brentford, oh, sorry, to, to Brighton, who would you say needs to leave? I don't know that I dare tell anybody to leave Brighton. Maybe the only one I would look Aaron at is Robert Connelly. Sanchez. Oh, Aaron Connolly's a good one. Aaron Connolly's yeah. a good one. I mean, Connolly, because, you know, he had the little breakthrough kind of like Evan Ferguson did last year, but he had it later in his career and he didn't do it as well. And then it's, you know, he's, he's obviously not gone on and established himself 
as a starter for Brighton. And that was at a club which was really struggling to score goals. And then he went on loan mm-hmm. to, was it Hulley was that last season? Venetia so, for the first half and Hull for the second half. And neither uh, of them right, were okay, called so, that well. Yeah, I mean, he only scored a couple of goals all told throughout the whole season. So, you know, injuries probably played a part of that. But just generally speaking, again, if you're looking to be a, a regular starter at 23 years of age and you haven't quite done it in the Premier League yet and it didn't really go too well in the Championship, mm. I think you probably need to go and move, especially when your parent club have basically got now three really good attackers. They looked more capable of build-up play and goal scoring without you even being around. That's going to be a difficult one to break back into. Yeah, and I mean, when, when they've got... Ferguson, they've got Joe Pedro coming in, they've got Inciso, they've got Undav, they've got Danny Welbeck. Do you know they're they're fairly loaded through the middle? And probably uh, if you look at it through the international perspective as well, because obviously Ferguson for, for Ireland is going to be a big thing, but Anamida scored again the other day, I think, for, for Ireland. So yeah. even from an international perspective, if you want to be in the running, you can do that with Ireland at the minute as the championship player. Maybe that's what he really needs to be doing. Yeah, I mean, you just need to look. If, if he wants an example of a player that kind of went through the same thing as him, Michael Obafemi, he yeah. was in a similar situation at Southampton, but he dropped down a level, went to Swansea, had a good first season there, had an impactful second season and was bought by Burnley or brought in on loan by Burnley, who now want to keep him. Uh, on a permanent deal. Now, he's, he hasn't scored a bunch of goals, but he's made himself hugely effective playing off a striker. He's a similar type of build and similar enough type of player to Connolly. And I think if Connolly takes a look at Obafemi, who's actually a year younger than him, he could he could po- probably learn quite a bit about what he needs to do. So for me, if I'm Aaron Connolly, I'm saying to my agent, look, find me a mid-table championship team where I can go and start, where maybe they've already got a decent goal scorer who I can play off and around and make myself valuable in other ways by pressing, by making runs, working the channels, linking play, you know, doing all the unglamorous stuff that maybe fans don't value, but managers do. And that could resurrect his career. I think Aaron Connolly's a really good one. Breakout star for Brighton. I think there's a few there's a few here, isn't there? Who's your one to depart Brighton? Who are you kicking I, out? I would say Robert Sanchez is the one that needs to move oh, yeah. on. Right. Um lost his place to Jason Steele, who, you know, with the greatest respect, is either a backup or a lower league goalkeeper his entire career. He's never been a Premier League caliber goalkeeper. He's thirty-two years of age. Now that's that's fairly damning for um, for Sanchez to lose his spot. Like, it's not like Steele only just came in the door either. He'd been at Brighton for four years prior to last season. He'd played a sum total of nine games, one in the Premier League. And that's who he got dropped for. So he was basically there to fill up the quota. Um, so I think that, that and the fact that they're signing young Verbruggen, who's an outstanding young keeper, from Anderlecht means Robert Sanchez needs to move on. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. 
and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Fair enough, especially since he was in and around the Spain squad. If he wants to be doing that, then... Uh, That's the thing. Big, like, big, and the, big there's, there's probably a big club out there ready to be foolish, hmm. be, be kind of drawn in by the size, the ability with his feet the athleticism and kind of overlook the errors and think they can work them out of his game. So yeah, I do think, I do think he can get a decent move this summer. Breakout star. I am going for a player who did not play at all this past season. Uh, He was coming back from cruciate ligament rupture. Before that, he was really starting to make a, a place for himself in the team. Although that place was absolutely anywhere on the pitch, played fullback, wingback, off the forward, centre mid. So I think in a, a Deserby team, he's got at least two roles he can fill, if not three. That's Jakob Morda. Mm, I love that pick. I love that pick. I think they can sort of develop him as their next Pascal Grouse type. That sort of utility player that can do a bit of everything, has quality on the ball, is very good off the ball. I like that pick. Um, mine is a player that was on loan last season. He's also Polish. I'm hopeful he's going to get an opportunity this year. I think the Zerbi will love him when he sees him. Is Kasper Kozlowski. Uh, I, I just, every time I watch the lad play, he impresses me. He was at Vitas Arnhem last season on loan. I thought he was very good for them. Spent half of the previous season on loan with uh, Union St. Gilles, the Belgian club that uh, Tony Bloom owns. I'm really impressed by this young fellow. I think he's going to have a big future for them. Is there a more potentially exciting squad just to watch people develop than Brighton at the minute? No. I mean, just take the nine and ten spots. Evan Ferguson, Joe Pedro, and Julio Enciso. They are three of the most talented young players in England, full stop. Then you've got Buenanote. You've got Motor. I know he's a bit older, but like you said, he's coming back from an ACL, so he is like a new signing. Matoma. In his second full season, Yasin Yari, Billy Gilmore, I think we'll see more from this season. Um, did I mention Buenanote? Like, there's just, and Kozlowski, there's so much talent here. It, it's actually outrageous how much talent. And a name to keep an eye on, he might go on loan this season. I'm hopeful that he will. But Andrew Moran is probably, probably after Ferguson, the biggest Irish prospect going and he's probably the most talented Irish prospect going keep an eye on him if he gets alone this season I think he could be very very interesting to watch for a high level championship club like a Blackburn maybe I think he could be a great fit Chelsea no Burnley oh yeah (laughs) welcome back Burnley he's already forgotten you 
You know, yeah. weekend. God. Burnley. Who do we advise to leave Burnley? Can the answer be everybody? This is not the Burnley of your father, though. This is a new, refreshed Burnley. You go. I think the one who should look to leave is probably Bailey Peacock Farrell because last season he was the backup goalkeeper. They're looking to sign a new starting goalkeeper, which means you're now the number three. You're Northern Ireland's number one. You're only 26. You cannot afford to lose much more of your career being sat on the bench because you already spent the 1920 and 2021 seasons sat on the bench. I think you need a move. So Bailey Peacock Farrell, get your agent on the phone and tell him, look, we, we got to go somewhere else. Um, I will go for... I'm going to go for Josh Cullen. And the reason is, with no further explanation being given is that loads and loads of clubs when they come up try to change what worked for them Josh Cullen without me having watched Oodles of Burnley last year this is has to be said he played a really important role for them every time that I watched them he was he's like a a cross between setting a platform for them to to dominate and build from and also being like a really really important player in terms of winning back possession uh, protecting the defence a bit as well um, he had a good season, basically. His stock rose a lot. And sometimes when teams come up and spend some money and try to stay there, that kind of player who you think you can improve on maybe from a technical perspective, uh, the first one's out the door. Well, the first one's out the lineup at the very least. If he gets himself out the door, maybe he stays in a lineup. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. I think it's a very fair shout. And, you know, he's establishing himself now as a starter for Ireland as well. So I do want to see him playing regularly at club level. Um, he's been he's been a player that's sort of, he's had a strange career. I mean, he's 27. He came going, through at West Ham. Going with um, company is probably the thing that leaves him room for manoeuvre in terms of if people do come in. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he... he, he was at West Ham in their reserves. He'd, he'd been on loan for like four or five straight years. Bradford, Bolton, a couple of years at Charlton. I think 18 months at Bradford, a couple of years at Charlton and Bolton in between. And he took a chance and he went to Anderlecht at 24 to play for company. And he did really well there and company brought him with him to, to Burnley. And like he's 27 now, and this is going to be his first real taste of Premier League action. He played three Premier League games, and, and there weren't even games, they were appearances for West Ham, the last of which was over five years ago. So it's a real chance for him to establish himself and show what he's capable of. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's one that it, it very much could go either way. It, it, a lot will depend on what they do in the market. But he could either be a key player for them again, or he's, like you said, he's one of those that kind of gets shunted out to make way for something new and shiny. Um, who would you look at as the potential breakout star here? Now, given a lot of these players have never played in the league, 
mm. before you've kind of got a wide range of options here. Yeah, so I'm going to go for one who, again, I've only seen fleetingly in that second tier, but played well when I saw him uh, as an attacker from right back. And also I've seen him play higher upfield and be, again, pretty good outlet for them. Good delivery from wide. That's uh, Vitinho, plays down the right. He was very impressive. Very, very impressive in, in, in their uh, promotion season. Came in from Circle Bruges. They paid decent enough money for him for a championship move. And he was one of their standout players. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a very fair shout. And one that I think they are banking on taking that that leap now that he's he's getting his move and his step up into, into a, top, a top league. Um, I'm going to go diagonally across the pitch to their left winger, Anas Saruri, a young Moroccan winger. Very, very impressive when I've watched him. I think he has a has a possibility to really step up and adapt to the Premier League quite quickly. Another one that company brought in from Belgium, um, where, to be fair to Vincent Company, he seemed to really have a good eye for talent and, and what would translate. So he brought in a bunch of players from Belgium, and most of them worked out really well. So... I'll go with Anna Zaruri. Now we move to Chelsea. Okay. Who needs to leave? And this can be a list if you want. <laughs> um, God, yeah. Edward Mendy, first of all, has lost confidence, mm-hmm. has nobody really believing in him, is a good goalkeeper. Go, just go, forget it. Chelsea gave you a little bit of... Uh, opportunity and success along the way, whatever. Just go, carry on your career and be good elsewhere. Um, I mean, there's about five that I could say you have to go for yourself. Malang Sar, another one of there, is never going to be good enough to play for Chelsea anyway, but you're also never going to play anywhere near Chelsea's team. So just go. Um, Marco Greja, if they are intent on making him a scapegoat, basically. Sodom, get out, just go and play somewhere else because, again, you're well good enough to go and play somewhere. I assume Pochettino will, you know, be a, a slate wiped clean kind of angle, but I think we all know that if Ben Chilwell's fit, he's going to get the nod first of all. So yeah, yeah. if Kugre is going to kind of be left to one side, well, just 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 leave straight away. Just ch- chalk it down to a, a move that didn't work out through circumstance and uh, just off you go. That That's it, basically. Uh, Ruben Loftus cheek for many, many, many obvious reasons. Again, easily a good Premier League standard player. Isn't going to get anywhere near the amount of game time that he needs. And Christian Pulisic and Callum Hudson Adoy and Hakim Ziyech all in the same sort of category. Yeah, I think they're all very fair picks. The other thing for Kukure to consider is that Chelsea have both Lewis Hall and Ian Matson on their books, who are both hugely talented young players. Matson is a natural left back. Lewis Hall can play there. And if Ben Chilwell is to be the starter, it probably makes more sense for Chelsea to have one of those youngsters as his backup, rather than trying to keep, you know, a more senior Spanish international happy with, you know, 20 minutes here and oh, it's the League Cup this week. So guess what, buddy? You're starting. So yeah, I think he's he's definitely one that needs to go. 
Um, mine is Ethan Ampadu, who I think could be a really good defensive midfielder as a holding six. I think he's miscast at centre-back because I think he's a little bit too small at centre-back, but he's a good ball player. I've liked what I've seen from him in the last three seasons at Sheffield United on loan, at Venezia and at Spezia. Now, he's been quite unfortunate with both of those clubs in that they were not very good um, when he joined them and both of them ended up getting relegated. But I thought he played quite well. In fact, Sheffield United got relegated as well. So maybe maybe he's just a jinx. That's three seasons, three relegations. So either he's a jinx or he is going to have his character built so high that he walks in and he's a leader in day one. Um, I, I think you go with him. I, I'm going to go with him. We're, we're, we're slowing. So let's, let's get rapid on this. Let's go. Let's go breakout star quickly from Chelsea. We might have to do this in two parts. This <laughs> might be part one, which would bring us. We've done one, two, three, four, five. We go to Fulham. Right. Let's just do to Fulham today and we'll do the second part next week. Okay. Um, um, breakout star from Chelsea. Right. Bit of a, a leap of faith, but I'm going to go on what Poch likes as a midfielder the expectations of what Chelsea will do in midfield and his actual quality. I'm going to say Charney, uh, Charney, Carney Chiquemica. Uh, I, I think that if he doesn't go out on loan, he obviously probably not going to start in the team, but I think it wouldn't be a surprise to see him get a regular bench role, work his way in and then play a bit of an increasing role as the season goes on. I think if he plays, you know, around the sort of 20 league matches overall and maybe 35 across the board, that count as a pretty good breakout season for him and a, a top end team. Yeah, I, I actually love that shout, to be fair. I really do. I think that's a great call. Uh, I'll go Noni Mudeki. I think he came in from PSV. He's got bags and bags of natural ability. He showed flashes of what he's capable of. I think he could establish himself as the right winger in a 4 2 3 1 for Chelsea this season. So I'm going to go for him. Um, Crystal Palace who needs to leave um, Roy Hodgson oh players sorry <laughs> um, oh. I think they're in a pretty good spot I really do I mean maybe you can make the case with someone like Mateta if they want to be a guaranteed starter but honestly I think this squad is small enough that most players who are good play quite a good role and set enough that the players who are very good actually get to start the majority of matches. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, 
and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I think that's very fair. The only one, and, and it doesn't really fall into the very good category, but Yarrow Riedeveld, I, I think he's one that could could do it moving on. Um, he's never, he's, he had one season where he sort of established himself as a starting defensive midfielder, but he's just a squad player now and he's not even like a regularly appearing squad player. By all accounts, great in the dressing room, really positive, works very hard and very highly liked. And he can play a bunch of positions. But I remember watching that kid at Ajax and thinking he might be something better than what he's become. I'd like to see him maybe go back to the Eredivisie and play in a lower league where he can maybe be more of a standout player and have a better career. So I, I would go with Jaro Riedeveld. Um, what about breakout star then? Uh, a player who I do and or did like before and had a really, really tough time with injuries. And then obviously it's a difficult thing to break up a defensive partnership. But I think Chris Richards is a player with a lot of quality. Um, I think he's someone who should be a starter for Crystal Palace, whether it is at centre-back or at full-back. You know, it's, he, he's got the versatility to play right across the back line. But I think especially if you look at Palace's right-backs over the last four or five years, mm. there's not been too much change. There's not been too much... Quality. <laughs> yeah, quality of youth is the other word I was going to go for as well. So, um, you know, the, the experience that he's got playing in a good league with good teams, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if it is a, a Hodgson type who stays, who likes, you know, a bit more of a solid rather than attack-minded defence first. Chris Richards as a right-back, if Gray and Anderson stay as the partnership, I think that's pretty good. Nicely balanced as well with Tarek Mitchell being able to go forward left. Yeah, I like that pick. I do like that pick, and I agree. I think I think right back is the position for him to target. Uh, I'll go with uh, Ahamada, who they brought in in January. Really, really talented young midfielder. He's bounced around quite a bit in his career to date. You know, he was in a bunch of different academies. He spent some time at Juve, was at Stuttgart, joined Palace. He's just turned twenty-one. He needs a settled environment. But I think Palace is quite a positive environment for young players these days. And there's a lot of good young players there. So I think he could establish himself next to Czech Dukure as the starting midfield pairing. And I think that will be quite a good blend of talents with Dukure's ability to read the game, break play up and progressive passing. And then Ahamada as more of a sort of a dynamic ball ball winner who goes box to box. It's good on the ball. He's the one I think could step up next season. Yeah, I've only seen him briefly, but he does look a really decent player. Um, obviously, back end of last season, it was mainly just a couple of sub appearances. So it's Bundesliga football that I've seen him really. But again, I think same as last year, centre mid was where we were looking with Palace to take a step forward in terms of quality. Uh, and I think with Eze obviously now sort of more or less establishing himself as a, a must-have in the team, if you can set up the rest of the, th- the the other two around him and let him play to his best level, that's that alone is going to take Palace on to, to the next sort of footing at the very least. Agreed. I do agree. 
Uh, right, Everton, who needs to go? Everybody. <laughs> who needs to go for their own good? Right. Um, I feel like Vitaly Mikalenko might be the answer here, but actually I'm going to go for one of the midfielders because they have 700 of them that are all the same. So... Maybe James Garner can make himself, you know, a managerial favourite under Sean Dyche or something like that with relentless work rate, but I don't see it. And Garner, I always thought, was a really decent player when he was younger. Mm. I mean, it, it's he's made the move, you know, obviously to, to come to Everton. I just don't think it's worked very well for him so far. He hasn't really been given the place. You know, if Awobi now is, again, regarded as a wider player, if... um who's just left, Tom Davies has now gone. So maybe a little bit more of a space, but basically Amadou Anana has to start because he's the best midfielder they've got. Then they're going to have to play a defensive midfielder. And I think he's got too much competition there. I think Ghana could be a good player, but maybe he needs to go to like, maybe a loan to one of the clubs who've just come up or something like that and really get himself, you know, I'm talking like 30, 35 Premier League matches under his belt and let's see what level he's really at. Like, if you look at what Dyche had in midfield at Burnley with, like, Ashley Westwood and Jack Cork and that, like, he does fit into that mould, that sort of hard-grafting, intelligent, neat and tidy type of player who just sort of manages a game, won't win you a game, but won't lose you a game. And that's all Dyche really wants. He just wants his centre midfielders to just manage a game and not lose it for him. And I think Garner could develop into that type of player it's just Everton sort of need him to be that type of player now, or Dyche needs him to be that type of player now. And like you said, like Onana has to start, assuming he stays, he, he could be he could be away. They might get a big offer and they might take it because they're broke. Like I think Idrisagana Gay has to start. And then it's sort of Dukure who was really important in the run-in for them. I think he probably gets the nod over Garner and you know, it's it's a very messy squad. I think because the, this guy that I'm going to pick was on loan, you overlooked him. But I think the absolute answer here is Jean-Philippe Gabamon. N- never in the history of the game has the player needed to get as far away from a club as possible as Jean-Philippe Gabamon needs to get away from Everton. This guy was at Lens and Mines and never got hurt. Never. Didn't get hurt once. Joined Everton and cannot stay fit. In three seasons there, he played eight games. He had a loan spell to CSKA Moscow. Played 13 games, got injured. Last season, he went and loaned to Trabzonspor. I think he played about 22 games in all competitions. And he got hurt. This guy needs to just burn it all down, potentially burn Goodison down as well, because there's voodoo or some shit in there working against them, and get as far away as possible. If you need to go to Saudi Arabia, away you go, son. You deserve the big bags of money after what you've put up on. He's still only 27. He, he's got to be the pick for me. Yeah, um, astonishingly bad record for the first couple of years as well. And when he came in, he was probably what they perfectly needed because he was a yeah. great ball winner, really, really good defensive protector, lots of mobility to his game. 
And even this season, even though he started with Trabzon Sport playing a lot, by the end of it, he was kind of out of the team anyway. Yeah, but that's like that's it. That's kind of what they've been looking for, and he was there, and they just couldn't stay fit. And yeah, it's a shame. Um, who's the breakout player? Uh, Jean Philippe Cabaron. He hasn't really had too much of a look in for four years. Um. He's just been biding his time, waiting <laughs> yeah. for an opportunity. I mean, it's difficult with Everton because most of their players are like pretty old, other than the couple of you know we we picked out pretty along old, the way the last Yeah, they're really rubbish. So, I mean, did we pick Jared Branthwaite? I mean, did he have yeah, a good enough he's season? Mine. Yes, me. Yeah, he's mine. Uh, because Dyche does like a right footed centre back and a left footed centre back, and I think him and Tarkovsky is the type of pairing that can work. And he's big and he's good in the air and he's quick. I think if you put, if, if they lined up next season with Patterson at right back, Tarkovsky right side centre back, Brantwaite left side centre back and Mikolenko at left back, I think that's a pretty strong defence that's balanced. And in Patterson and Brantwaite in particular, it's young and something you can actually build with and be excited by. And if Garner could step on and establish himself in midfield and Onana kicks on to a different level, all of a sudden you'd have something you could look forward to as opposed to the misery that has been Everton Football Club for the last however many years. Yep, Branthwaite will have to be the one then. And like a full season of playing decent level um, in terms of the area of busy, right at the top of the area of busy. So you'd imagine that he's ready to fight for a regular spot now as well in terms of his mindset and that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Right, last one we'll do today then. Let's do Fulham. Um, player that needs to go. There's not many here, to be fair. There's one. Carlos Vinicius. Go and play for a club where you're actually going to be the centre forward they want, rather than the centre forward to the back, or the backup to the centre forward they want. Because he keeps going to places that just play with one striker and doesn't get any minutes for himself. Yeah, in fairness, uh, had a had a great season with Benfica in nineteen twenty. Scored eighteen goals in thirty two games. Then got loaned to Spurs because they had bought Darwin and he went to Spurs and sat on the bench and watched Harry Kane play. Did score a hat-trick in the FA Cup. Uh, then he went on loan to PSV Eindhoven and he played it fair bit, but he wasn't really first choice. And then that loan got cut short because Fulham bought him. Now he had a pretty decent season for Fulham, only scored five goals, but gave them a reliable presence when Mitrovic wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, for his own sake, he, he should look to leave. He's he's 28 now. And like his career is passing him by sitting on benches. If he's happy to take the money, fair enough. But I mean, someone else would give you the money. I think that's a good shout. Um, mine would be Terence Congolo, who has just... It's never worked at Fulham for multiple reasons. But I think he's a decent player. I liked him when he was at Huddersfield. I liked him before that as well at Feyenoord. Um, He's played in the now four years he's been contracted to Fulham. Uh, He's played for them four times. 
He spent last season on loan with Le Havre in the second division in France. Uh, they did get promoted, though, so he did play a role there. I would be begging them to try and keep you with Le Havre so you can actually play regularly and not have to go on loan again or sit on a bench at Craven Cottage. So he'll be mine. Um, a shout out to Anthony Knockhart as well, who absolutely, absolutely needs to leave because they got promoted having gotten him in on loan, spent a bowl of money to buy him. Um, they spent 15 million to buy him and immediately loaned him back to the championship. Um, where he didn't really do much of anything. Uh, he then had a loan with Volos and a loan with Huddersfield, neither of which have gone well. He's only 31. And it's just it's just time for him to move on. Go and go and have a career somewhere else. Uh, he's mine for my, my last one for Fulham. Who's your breakout star for Fulham this year? I think there's one or two options here. Oh, good. You can go first then because I can pick one. Not at all. I'm going to say Sasa Lukic. Now, he is 26. He's not a kid. But he came in in January and he couldn't get a regular start because the Paulinha-Harrison-Reed midfield pairing was working really, really well. But in the games he did play, I thought he did pretty well. And I'm really hopeful that with a full preseason under his belt, I think he can establish himself with Fulham and I think he's, he could be a really good player for them. So I'm going to go with Sasa Lukic. That's fair. I mean, I think they need to add a couple uh, if they want to be around the same sort of level or, you know, mid-table sort of area. But Lukic playing regularly would be a change already. Mm. Uh, And I do think he's a good player. So, yeah, go for it. And then one young player to keep an eye on with Fulham is Luke Harris. Um, Already uh, been called up to the Welsh senior squad and been in and around the group a few times. He's super talented, so keep an eye on him. And if they can get him back, I don't know if they can, but if Manor Solomon can be kept on a permanent deal, I think Fulham should pursue it. And I think he could do quite well next year. I was really impressed when he came back after a bad knee injury. And I'd really like to see what he's capable of in a full season in the league. I don't don't think Spurs is a good move for him because he's not going to start there. I think he can establish himself on the left for Fulham and a full season of Wilson, Pereira, him and Mitrovic as a front four. I think that's something that could be quite good for Fulham. So I'll I'll just say if they can keep him, I think he does quite well as well. There's a lot of work for quite a few of these teams to do, I think, in Mm. terms of having someone to really step forward. But I guess we'll see that develop over the coming month or so. Yes, right. So we will leave it there. We will be back next week and we will go Liverpool, Luton, City, United, Newcastle, Forest, Sheffield United, Tottenham, West Ham and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, But for now, we will say thank you very much. Carl, do you have anything to plug before we go? No. There you go. Doesn't want to plug. Don't read his stuff. Doesn't need you to read his stuff. He's confident in his own stuff. Doesn't need your approval. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.